0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: The Celtic Exchange, a fresh insight on Celtic Football Club.
0: Welcome to episode 21 of The Celtic Exchange. This is Tino and today I'm joined by Miff and Paddy. Just when you thought the silence was getting too much to take, the club have gone and completely redeemed themselves by sending the fans, or at least some of the fans, a nice shiny new email. The fact that it doesn't tell us anything we didn't already know is neither here nor there, and really, we should be counting ourselves lucky that we received anything at all. Next on the way, season ticket renewals. You can bet your Celtic slippers on it, Miff. How are you feeling about things this week? Hi Tino, hi Paddy, hi listeners. Not really any different to what it was last week.
1: But can kind of groundhog day, I would say. Communication didn't reach me. Or me. Uh, I'm a season ticket holder. It didn't make it to me. I did go to the website to read it. Fairly underwhelming. I suppose we did demand to hear something. And we have. But what we did hear wasn't very satisfactory, so we're no further forward. I see there's been another really horrible week of it's done. No, that's premature. No, it is done. No, I wouldn't say it's done. Regarding Eddie Howe, which is now also getting a bit silly, I think. Deal's either done or it's not. And I I think some party has to come out and say it publicly, just so that we know exactly where we stand. Because if it's not a done deal, jobs are going to come up in the the coming week in the English Premier League. We know that, so we're leaving ourselves open to that. So I think we as fans should know if the club is choosing to leave themselves open to that type of threat. Or likewise, if the deal is done, just tell us. i have heard all different rumours about he's on garden and leave parachute payments, and all that nonsense. It's either a done deal or it's not, as far as I'm concerned. And it's just, it's a source of frustration for me because I don't think any fans can actually release the handbrake and enjoy, o- look forward to next season with any optimism until we know clearly what's going to be
0: happening. Yeah, and, you know, verbal agreements are all well and good and that's fine, but until something is properly done, signed, sealed, delivered, then you can never be sure that nobody comes in with a, an 11th hour swoop, you know, Newcastle, Palace, whatever. So you're quite right to be nervous about that. Paddy, welcome to the show, first of all. Nice to have you here for your debut performance. So, apparently the word is that Eddie Howe wants to distance himself completely from this disaster of a season, not to get involved. And here's you coming in, 10th or maybe two games to go, putting on a shift. Admirable. Paddy, welcome. Thank you very much for having me, guys. It's a strange time just now.
2: You know, we're not used to this at the moment. I think the last nine seasons have been incredible for us. It's uh, it's very poor. It's very poor from all, all angles of this, this football club that we're in this position now. We don't know who our manager is. I think the likes of the, the former years when the likes of Diala left we were giving Rogers very, very quickly in the sense that we knew he was coming in from the get-go. It got the fans ready, it got the season tickets sold. There's not even been a mention of him as yet. And to get emails sent out, not sent out to everyone, and for them not to tell anything, it's no, not great.
0: It's definitely not. And I feel, cynic or not, but I feel that the email was definitely a primer that the season tickets will be on the way just on the back of that. And as as Miff said, season ticket holder, he never got it, I'm the same, never got it. Paddy, I I think you got it through.
2: Yeah, just today. So I've heard that basically there's been a bit of to and fro on that. So a lot of people are saying that they've they've acted on a lot of supporters complaining about this. Um, Over the weekend, they've decided, you know, let's send this out to everyone. But actually, there's a lot of issues apparently with the fact that people haven't opted into the marketing side of things, so on your Celtic account
1: Ah,
2: however, that should not be the case, this is not a marketing issue, this is what we pay into Everyone should be made aware of what's going on.
0: I know the whole GDPR, you know, scenario in, the, in this day and age, but you're right, if you've purchased something, this is relevant information to something you've purchased and it should be absolutely fine. Do you need to pay extra to get these emails, buddy? No, is that no a it's a,
2: it's a tick-box effort. Yeah, it's it's strange stuff. simple as that.
1: Up until that email coming out, I thought I was best pals with Big Pedro because I was getting emailed about <laughs> everything. <laughs> you know, I, I was getting offered tickets for the Celtic show The pavilion in 2023 and all that, you know, it was was just non stop. So,
2: when things were nice,
1: it's genuinely the only
0: thing I've not had a communication on. Which is strange because it's the most important thing, isn't it? The most relevant thing, certainly at this moment in time, and and yet you don't receive it. It's just another example of some of the poor comms that are taking place. If they're going to choose to come out, well, I've spoken previously about how Club have got access to all the media they want. They've got all their own channels, whether YouTube, Celtic TV, all the social media, yet they somehow make a bit of a mess of this by sending it out and, and fits and starts, and some get it and some don't. I think think um, Chris
1: referenced it last week and I may have done as well. You know I'm no great thinking about things that I've said the week before, Tino. And it does feel like the entire club is in just a holding pattern now. Whether that be marketing, PR, communications, whatever way you want to put it. Mm-hmm. Football <laughs> department, board. It's just hiatus time. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and you could even argue the players to a certain degree because, you know, with the, with the level of performance we've seen in recent matches, it's just, it's, it's no great at all. Yeah. For, a, for a team of such standing, such reputation and up until very recently, such professionalism to have fallen in so many departments,
0: the way that they have is is just worrying. Yeah, it is a state of flux is how I've heard this regularly described and I think that's very accurate, just everything's up in the air at this moment in time. Paddy, in terms of that communication that we've been speaking about, was there anything that jumped out at you, good, bad or indifferent about it? One of the statements
2: in it was to do with, obviously, they know that everyone is, is awaiting the announcement of a manager. One of the things that really got me, and it just puts another cloud over things, is that they would said that they are unable to comment on proceedings at the moment. Now, what those proceedings are, what we're looking to do, I don't know. That's how bad things are. We spoke not too long ago, you know, about people that are in the know. And this is a horrible time just now for people that think they're in the know. But when your own club aren't able to give you much, it's, it's quite worrying. You were speaking earlier on there, and myth about everyone seems to be on a bit of a hiatus. I have to say that it reeks of actual unprofessionalism because we've came from nine years of being successful, but you wonder with after Alexa Rogers had left, they just sat waiting and hoping that things were going to go to boards a, t- a 10 in a row. They've actually just realised, oh, hang on a minute, we're actually quite behind in a lot of things and I think that's what's becoming very evident.
1: Absolutely, I-, I agree with that. There was a lot of short-term planning went into the whole 10 in a row thing, but if we're being honest, we as fans need to take... About bit of the blame for that, you know, our world focused around, or our Celtic world focused around 10, however what I think is the most glaring thing in all of this, is that the board have asked us by putting out such a lack of communication, they've asked us to put a hell of a lot of faith in them when they didn't get the last appointment right, and we all kind of felt that at the time, we've referenced in previous episodes Paddy about how we felt the day winning get awarded the job in the shores and how it made us feel just after winning the treble treble you know, it, it wasn't right, we knew it wasn't right, we hadn't followed due process, a due process we then since came out and claimed that we follow for every decision that the club makes. That very board are asking us to trust them, and to for us to, it's hard for us as fans, based on the events of the past, and I would say 18 months, to completely trust that this board are absolutely doing their job to the maximum to appoint the best person for the role. They're asking us to have that faith, how can they expect us to have that faith? Because they have done nothing, absolutely nothing, to justify it,
0: yeah, and I think when you're winning games of football, you don't pay as much attention as as you would do otherwise to things like comms and how the club you know, treat you and different things, because ultimately it's all about winning games of football. And as Miff said last week, one thing having a you know a twirl attached that Dermot Desmond has, and nobody cares about that <laughs> when we're doing well. But otherwise, when things start to go awry, then we will get a wee bit upset. But you do, you start to look closer at you know the comms from the club and just every kind of fine detail, you know, every single tweet gets scrutinised now. Maybe this is the way it's always been in the last three, four, five years, but you just don't care you're winning trophies, and now when things aren't so good, you're saying, hey, hold on a minute. Even the, the Christmas advert, which for, I've got
1: a, two young sons, but my, my oldest son, who's who's nine, he loves that advert coming out, and when he was looking at it this year, I was struggling. You're right in what you say. Those things are great when you're winning, and then they come out. And even though it's still effectively the same thing, it's the same way promoting the kind of catalogue and all the different things that I end up buying. It's success on the pitch means you turn blind eye to certain things or you don't recognise other things whereas the scrutiny is so much higher when you're not doing well but I think the slight difference this year or this season and up to that point was you could see we were plummeting like a stone and just nobody was doing anything about it
2: Yeah it was a very quick spiral downwards it really was I think you're spot on with what you're saying you basically didn't bat an eyelid to some of the social media stuff there was a few cases where you were like that's a wee bit cringy But you let it slide The advert really, they, they can appeal to the younger ones But there's still some of them You were a bit Hmm, okay, okay Now everything's magnified and, and you're starting to question Every decision that they're taking That's a horrible position to be in You don't want that You just want to be winning trophies
0: Yeah, true And is it also You know, just to look at the bigger picture The fact we've had one of the strangest 12 months That any of us will ever face And we're kind of living in this social media Celtic bubble We're not at the games It's all TV It's all digital do you think that's played its part? And I know I'm being kind to the club there and maybe forgiving some of the errors, but do you think that's genuinely played a part in how we're all feeling just now? Uh, absolutely. In general, it's just a downer for me not being able to go to the games with my boy.
1: That's one of the things I look forward to most in my life is getting to the weekend and, and going to the game. You know, go, go to some of the away games as well. Not having that in your life has an effect, especially when you're not winning. It becomes a wee bit more mundane when you are just got to sit down and watch it on the pass and you know you're just going through the motions. And, and to some degree... I know the players should be professional, but there's no doubt that gets to the players as well. And, and I understand why things have been, you know, a bit off the boil with regards to the, the fans not being in. But it, it's not an excuse. We have mentioned this before as well, adaptability. We have not adapted to the situation that we've been put in. But also some of the decisions that we've made as a club, from the boardroom down to the management have been absolutely horrendous. And none more so than Ivan Tony. You know, you see he's yeah. put the record for goals in the Championship this
0: year. <laughs> and we've got a jetty sitting, you know, probably doing it at KFC at the bottom of London Road. <laughs> as you rightfully say, Ivan Toney, record scorer in the Championship this season, I think he got 31 goals and, and a number of assists as well, 10 or 11 assists maybe, and he was, by his own quote, in the building at Lennox Town. Yeah. And again, talk about scouting, talk about money ball, talk about stats, watch the
1: laddie with your own eyes. Just watch him.
2: Oh, he's a decent just, player. I've just watch it. him.
1: You can see he's a player, he's athletic, he's mobile, he's skillful. And yet, somebody thought we should spend five million pound. A guy couldn't get a game for West
0: Ham. Yeah, you wonder as well. You know, I'm all for embracing the technology and you know, looking. I don't know. Sure, the club use you know something more advanced than Y scout and different things, but a lot of it's digital, certainly in the early stages, which is absolutely fine. But sometimes, when push comes to shove, you've also just got to trust your own eye for a player. It feels like with the Ajetta case, for example, that we've relied too much on the tech and the stats, maybe the potential of the guy, rather than just going watching the guy and saying, "Oh no, hold on a minute, he's not quite ready for us." Whereas Tony absolutely was. So. In terms of, you know, we've spoken about the various jobs that need to be addressed by the new management structure, gouting and recruitment is absolutely top of the list for me. Big time, big time. I think on
2: the differences of signing a Yeti and then not signing Tony, is it as simple that someone has decided, this guy's just come up from League One and this guy's hovering about the Premier League. Is <laughs> that been it? Because obviously the fees weren't yeah. too different. They weren't yep. too different, but is that going to come down as as simple as that? Is that where our scouting's at at the moment?
1: Well, I think that probably has a lot to do with it. However, I again go back to that point of who is actually making that decision based on the visual of watching that player play football. Because if they were watching a jetty, it couldn't have been when he was at West Ham or that would have been under 23 football. So they've based that on his time at Basel, which was a year or 18 months before. Whereas Ivan Tony was doing it at that time. Now, League One isn't the greatest level in England, but he was a standout in that team. Brentford, who I do think take a sort of kind of moneyball-esque approach, yeah, now that I've do. just actually contradicted one point there. Well done, me man. They've obviously saw fit to part with the cash, but I just go back to that point. Who's the scout? Open your eyes. Look at the two of them. One thing I'm going to say, look at fiziki both, men You know, stuff like that. If somebody's, if somebody's six foot tall, they've then got scoped. If somebody's small, five foot odds, can tell just with the, the way that Ajayi's he's built, he's not going to be somebody that periods of inactivity are not going to do him any good. And he said a fairly prolonged period of inactivity at Celtic. Just for me, really, really muddled. And I don't, I don't want to just stick that point because there's plenty of other decisions that have went wrong. But that, to me, that's just, that is so glaring
0: that it's worthy of, of a, a mention. Yeah, I wonder just as Paddy's lean towards there, though, if it's as fundamentally saying, well, he plays kind of lower, you know, Premiership, or he's with a Premiership club in West Ham, and Tony, he's not, he's League One, let's just go with the Premier guy. If it's as fundamental and as basic as that, then that's scandalous in terms of how we're, you know, picking the players to take us forward. I, I go back to that point, just watch them playing. Yeah, Absolutely. watch them playing, you'll see it with your own eyes. I don't want to get all nostalgic on you, but Gary Hooper, your, your old favourite, he came from the lower leagues, didn't he? Was it Scunthorpe we yeah. sent him from? and was that league one at the time or maybe yeah, yeah about? and we paid, paid 3 million 3 million for them and we've seen the success there so yeah that's definitely one of the areas that we need to address you know as a club just to go back to things in terms of the the comms that came out so as, as mentioned I feel that the season ticket renewal announcement must be hot on the heels of the email that came out last week that's one of the things they actually mentioned it's imminent imminent right Eminent. so that'll be some point this week by the sounds of it Matthew you've mentioned previously that regardless what happens whoever comes in you're going to renew it and you take your lads and it's, it's just part of who you are and part of your life I think that'll probably be the case for 80, 85%, maybe 90%. What about the 10% which is still a big number, you know, maybe five, 6,000, maybe more who are waiting to see what will happen. The club can't possibly expect folk to renew without knowing who's coming in, can they?
2: I wouldn't be surprised if that's what happens <laughs> just now. Sign up for
0: the, the mystery season ahead. Uh,
2: uh, the, the way everything's been played, absolutely. Yeah. You, can't, you can't rule that out, you know.
0: Unfortunately, I'm going to
1: agree with Paddy that I, I think this club and this board have a big enough brass neck to do that.
0: Absolutely, no doubt. What does that marketing look like and what does that message look like? You know, there's, you see when you've got Brendan Rodgers front of the campaign, it's great. The visuals are there and the messaging's there and the taglines are there. What is that? Because I actually, I actually wonder what players will feature in the marketing uh, collateral for this because we don't even know who's going to be here. We saw in October exactly what this board thinks they are Not a lot at this moment in time.
2: Going on the uh, terms of marketing, I heard the other day that the new top has already been modelled, which uh, <laughs> yeah. I had to think, like... by who? by who? <laughs> yeah. by who? Sorry, Paddy, you want my credit
1: card details, I'm just going to
2: buy it now. <laughs> just,
0: uh, like oh, I know that, I'll just but, get it done me, buy it now. Exactly. But yeah, it's an interesting one, because genuinely, I know we're kind of being a wee bit flippant about who features in the, the season ticket campaign and the kit launches, but it's a serious question, because we've done the numbers here and looked at all the exits that we're pretty sure are going to happen and you're left with a scaling squad you're lucky right now to pull, pull together a decent fives team but I'm not, actually not sure you know you would say David Turnbull probably McGregor but not definitely Scott Bain Jeez. <laughs> Jeez oh Miff's got him first out the door James Forrest will be around Sorrow should be around that aside you're, you're scratching your head hey bear in mind, you are got to have big Jack Henry back calling folk an airhead and a space
1: get <laughs> <So laughs> That's that
0: exactly what our dressing room needs. Yeah, cringy stuff. But anyway, we'll watch with interest as the season ticket campaign lands probably this week. To get back to football and matters, glad to confirm lads we're nearing the finish line and there's only a number of days left in this season. So St Johnson on Wednesday and Hibbs on Saturday, Scottish Cup finalists I've never known two league games with such little meaning though. Genuinely in the last 20 years or so, be here we find ourselves. Good time to catch up in River City, Maff, or will you be watching the games? I was at Parkhead for Lennon's first game at Parkhead and Caretaker Charge.
1: George- Josh Thompson scored twice and there was only about 10,000 folk there. It was, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was grim, you know, it was pretty, pretty bad, so don't get me wrong, he has got to beat that because there's no going to be empty there. <laughs> um, <laughs> but listen, I think it's because you know so many of the players aren't going to be there that you're so detached from it. You can't support guys you know that are off. It, it would be different if the, the squad had a, had a, you know, you knew that it was building for something to then carry on into next season, but it's not. It's pretty much a, a stop and a start again. It's it's very black and white. There's no really any shades of grey here. It's, this is the end for the squad. Brown being away also contributes massively to that. Mm-hmm. I dare say Kennedy going away will also be big for the point of view of he has been a linchpin for so many different phases of, of a management team that have come through over the past few years. So that's quite seismic for behind the scenes at Celtic by all accounts Brown is a figurehead in in many ways not just on the pitch he's a really big influence around Celtic Park Lennox Town so that's where I feel going to be really different this summer for us as fans because we're obviously going to need to accept a new regime in terms of management but also a new regime within the dressing room somebody new leading that dressing room We've not had that in a long, long time. Yeah. A long, long time. Because ever since Brown's came in the door, he's always been kind of viewed as that. Well, I feel anyway, personally, always a bit of a driving force. Yeah. Arguably didn't produce his best football until Rodgers arrived, or his most consistent football, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, he suffered early. However... He, he
1: was no favourite at early bells. However, I think it just wasn't very clear what he was. He was
0: right mid for a time. He, 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 he,
1: get played, he get played in different sort of positions. Definitely, you know, Rodgers brought him to the fore and, and sort of gave him that defined leadership role. But who's that going to be? Because as it stands, we don't really know. And I, I don't think, you know, people going about McGregor. McGregor's just not captain material for me. It's sorely lacking candidates to actually stand up and take on that role. You could argue Big Julian would be one if Augusta Wynn didn't knock him over. You know, maybe people <laughs> would respect him as a leader. So there's loads of different elements yeah. contributing to this massive change that we're going through. And on the one hand, I'm really intrigued. Is to see who steps up. Is to see who comes in what sort of structure they create in the, the, the plane operations, both in terms of scouting, recruitment, captain, all that type of thing. Yet again, I'm going to say it again, we know absolutely, yeehaw. Huh? We go again. I mean, I think I'm doing well with, with 25 minutes in, and I'm still managing just to waffle on about practically the same thing. We don't know who the manager is. Just hurry up.
0: Yeah, I mean, you, you've mentioned before, Mav, that despite the, the darkness of this season, that's dramatic, is it? But despite the darkness of this season, You've still, in recent times, had reasons for optimism because you've thought, well, do you know what? There's a new dawn coming, there'll be a new manager, new players, and that is something to genuinely get excited about. But you can't get excited about it just yet because, as of right now, and as of these two games that we've got coming up, there's just nothing to look forward to.
2: Well, I think you're, you're spot on. So talking about whether it be River City on Wednesday, I, I think for me, few
0: come... is a place for me, I'll be
2: there. <laughs> I think it, for me, it'll, it'll come down to having to look at the the team sheet, you know, so see if it's kind of same old bat diamond if i see that again can't go on about that but if there's a bit of youth injected if we, if we see see like say maybe dembele getting a run out even like say like young henderson i don't know if he's actually still out, still out and if he's finished at Dunfermline because they could beat breath rovers in the the playoff that's right just give some of the younger guys the last two games of the season give them give them a try see who is possibly going to be available because yeah. we're talking about players leaving we're talking about big players leaving the spine of our team is very slim now. So Julian could be a key player for us next season. But also, I was talking about it not too long ago, Julian might look at the exodus of this season, look at his age, 28, 29, 28, I think, and might be like, you know what, get me a move. Yeah.
0: Get me a move. I've had some good times at Celtic and now I want to return to to base camp. It's interesting, and that just... You know, ties back to the fact that we really just don't know who's going to be there. Just, you mentioned some of the young guys, Paddy, and I agree. It'd be good to see Dembele this week. It'd be good to maybe see Ewan Henderson if he's back in the fold. The other side of that is, I would like to see, and I'm just intrigued, I don't know if these guys are players, but you'd like to see Barkas get a start in yeti wouldn't you? 100%. Yes,
1: however, I would have probably introduced them before now. You know, In fact, I definitely would have, there's no probably about it. I would have absolutely introduced them before now. Paddy makes an excellent point. I think in a lot of ways, had we get cuffed 4-1 off Rangers with Dumbelli and Henderson or, you know, any different type of player that's yeah. not been playing, you would have probably stomached that a wee bit more and said that. Yeah. Well, you know, undoubtedly, Kennedy would have got stick for large swathes of the fans for doing that. But I think in the cold light of day, when you, when you stand back, you would have said, OK, he's, he's, he's tried to bot some players in to give him a bit of experience yeah. playing against Rangers, whatever. On on a more general point, like you mentioned there, the darkness of this season, you take a step back, you need to remember, I've come off the back of a quadruple treble. I know it's been bad this season. It's been so bad, but also compounded by the fact Rangers have kind of went the season to this point unbeaten. Mm-hmm. That amplifies our poorness this season, and I think that's what a lot of fans are, are finding hard to take, is that, you know, we've, we've got no comeback to it. Mm-hmm. We, we, mm-hmm. We, we have completely shot ourselves in the foot this year, and you just need to take your medicine but you need to take your medicine. Now, that's not to say you can't hold the board to account, you can't hold the previous management team to account for the decisions that they made, but I think it's just been one absolutely massive mess that we have hugely contributed to ourselves. 100%. That's that's how this season feels to me. Now, with that comes the chance of, and this is the first time in a, in a while where we've had it, because even if you look back at Rogers, Rogers came in but only added a few players to the squad. He didn't, yeah. he didn't make massive wholesale changes. That is exactly what's going to happen now. Exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. And like you say, even the people we think that are going to stay, the likes are Julian, the likes are possibly McGregor, mm-hmm. they, they might even be ones that, that do go. The
2: temptation's there for
1: them. You know, so uh, it's it's really, that's the thing that's so uncertain for every Celtic fan is n- nobody, and the players themselves, nobody actually knows who's, who's going to be there next season. Here we go again. The quicker we make this appointment, the better But let's be honest, I'm talking to a brick
0: wall Nobody's, nobody's actually listening to me Yeah, me and Paddy included um, Yeah, but one, one of my big reasons for optimism Is the fact that Brendan Rodgers came in And largely just utilised the existing squad And made it better The problem with that from at this time for, for Celtic though Is that James Forrest is one of those same guys And Callum McGregor You know, Brendan Rodgers has already gone to the well for them To get them to kick up to another level you wonder if another manager can do it again, or if we just need that freshness. And actually, if those players as individuals just need a fresh start as well. And, and that's how it feels to an extent for me.
2: See the issue on that, though. I think a lot of the thinking for that for me was that, yes, Rodgers did inherit pretty much the, the dialer team. It was kind of lost in its way in a sense. But those that stuck about and those that put the effort in and those that still won the league those two seasons, mm-hmm. could have won a treble, What of a good fitness level. Yeah. We're of a very good fitness level. I think everything got tore away from what Lennon eh, sorry, from what Rogers brought. Yeah. I think everything got brought back down to a very, very poor standard. Almost not a modern football standard that we know.
0: Yeah, and you know, it's gonna sound really harsh, but you know lots of people are saying it, but Lenny really just undone so much of the good work and yeah. so much and you wonder when he came in at first, it was really just a case of steadying the ship. Now obviously Rogers left in the February and there was still work to be done to go over the line and credit to Lenny for that. We're going to have roll ground again, Myth. But at that point, that was time to say, thanks for everything, Lenny. You've steadied the ship. You've won his league and off you go. 100%. And then he was given, obviously, you know, another season or two beyond that. And it, it's just the, the damage and impact of that. And we can see it in the players. We can see it in the lack of confidence. It certainly looks like there's a lack of fitness. As you say, buddy, Rogers came in and inherited a squad in decent shape and in decent spirits. You know, they, they were winning league titles. You've now got a new guy who's going to come in and he's going to take a look around the place and he's going to be- Seriously worried at what he's got. But at the same time, being optimistic about that, we spoke about Julian potentially
1: leaving. But you think of guys coming back, guys like Cham, even Hendry and I know it's unlikely bio that they will feature, but those guys come back in, manager takes a look, so look at them, gets them organised, gets some fit, brings in his own, you know, maybe his own spine. I think definitely a keeper, centre-half, centre-mid, you know, and a striker. Probably even need a winger as well. That then has a... An immediately galvanising effect on the whole club, of course, of this. So even even if they do bring in, you know, Jack Ross or Callum Davidson, and and they do that, it would. I'm not advocating that. By the way, you're looking at me in absolute horror. Yeah. There. I'm just I'm just saying, you know, everybody's kind of prepared for how yeah. I, I'm still sceptical because I just don't trust the process at all. You may have already picked that up for this podcast And you can
0: not trust it, though, because as you say, what we've been fed over the last 18 months, there's nothing, you know, there was a lot of credit in the bank for the board because we were winning six and seven and eight, and, you know, right up to nine in a row. But such have been the decisions in recent times, you just, that that, that credit has diminished overnight. And as you say, Mif, you cannot trust that process now. And that's why we're so nervous and fearful about what lies ahead. Well,
2: I think with that, though, at the same time, a lot of that comes down to our structure. Our structure's very poor. And again, it's easy to say now after we're, we're losing, we've lost the league, we've not won any trophy this year. I, I think the structure's very, very poor. We've got a guy that's tried to do four or five jobs in the one. He's finally leaving. It's obviously Peter Law I'm talking about. Finally leaving. My worry is is that this turnover point between him and Don McKay, I mean, is Don McKay going to get the same thought that that's going to be the route he's going to go down? It's a... Uh... Yeah, just, just, with... uh, just on that point, we
1: just call him Pedro.
0: Oh, Pedro. Ah. Uh, Getting in. Uh, but you're right you know the the, the concern is that Don Mackay forms a similar role in terms of you know ultimately I know Peter Lowell's given lots and lots of autonomy and that's in credit where it's due for a lot of the really good stuff and the mm-hmm. real success we had but you wonder if ultimately you know there's Dermot Desmond pulling the strings and if Dom Mackay inexperienced in this type of role certainly within this football environment Will he just be a, a yes man to, to Dermot Desmond? Will it look much the same? We just don't know. And you know, it's, it's unfair to ju- judge him before he's even properly started his title as CEO. I think that's the 1st of July after yeah. Peter Lawwell finishes in the June. So so time will tell and, and he'll be given every chance to prove himself. But it's a, it's a hell of a job and he's got a lot of work to do in terms of turning around the perceptions of the fans even at this very early stage. True,
2: I think his track record speaks okay for himself for what he'd done for Scottish Rugby role. and mm. obviously I'm not judging him already but, you know, just like we, we, we just don't know where this board anything's possible and I'd hate the idea of it being Desmond doing kind of the same route, routine with, with, with Pedro
0: Yeah, I <laughs> understand that Nice, nice um, thanks, Please. Man. Just to go back to the, the football side of things So, yep, it remains to be seen who we see against St Johnson and Habs One guy we definitely won't be seeing is Shane Duffy He's now back at Brighton after as poor alone spell as you'll potentially see in football. I don't know, there's lots of chat about why that didn't work out. Personal circumstances, father passing away and different things. My funny thoughts yourself just on that spell in general. It was such a strange one, wasn't it? Yes, and losing a parent is, is
1: a horrible, dreadful thing, it? and it takes you to places that you don't really want to go. Can relate to that. However, without sounding in any way heartless, what Shane Duffy's main asset was, was head in a football and whatever issues he has whether it be physical or mental he ceased to have that ability to header the football because I watched a man run underneath around and passed a ball so often in a Celtic shirt that I've never really seen anything quite like it Yeah. so I, I mean that that is my critique of his time at Celtic he he missed the ball so often he made the wrong decision so often He he stepped up when he should have stood off he stood off when he should have stepped up he attacked when he should have stood off he stood off when he should have attacked. He just blatantly ran under the ball so yeah. many times. He actually stood inside his own 18-yard box at Ibrox and passed the ball directly at a ranger striker. <laughs> there are so many horrific things that he's done. Attempted cross-field switches where it's ended up six, seven rows behind. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm sounding like I'm... I'm not trying to just make the guy feel any worse.
0: He probably feels bad enough at how the, the mm-hmm. spell has went, but he was very, very poor. Do you also think you just get certain players that suit certain clubs? So Shane Duffy's been used to being a player with Ireland and with some of the teams he's been with. He's only ever had to, you know, I, defend and part the bus? I've I've watched Shane Duffy play for those clubs mm-hmm. and he was way, way below to
1: the point where the, the basic he, he was not doing the basics for Celtic. He, he was but you, not you, doing but you
0: were quite satisfied that he was able to do them previously? That's, yes, you know, I, yeah. I, I mean that, that. what you saw there was just a
1: total disintegration of, of a player's confidence and whether that was the move being too much for him or a combination of various different circumstances, what you were seeing there and, and you can talk about Styles, he's used to defending on the 18 yarder instead of the halfway line and I get all
0: that, but that, even that wasn't the issue from what I saw, the guy, yeah. the guy was just completely gone. Do you also not think those Celtic yeah, again, you're right, Miff. You know, some of it's just indefensible. But to give him some sort of defence, Celtic were asking him to do things that he generally didn't do. I.e., come out with the ball and, and be a ball player. That that's just never been part of his his makeup. I can kind of see
2: what you're saying, Miff, on that, and I can see what you're saying as well, Tino.
0: Ever a diplomat, Paddy? I like it. I,
2: I think, I think it's a bit of a mixture of both. I, I really do. Um, I'm, I'm of the opinion that it's a different style of game up here. It's fast. It is a faster game. However, the level that he's played at, it has been kind of on on the cuff defending for him even with Ireland Ireland are a different team f- from 20 odd years ago and it, one of the things that I've I've noticed for this year is that his head hasn't been in the game at, at, at all he had a good start he scored a couple of goals and you're thinking alright we're on to something here we're on to something but another question then has to be asked and I'm not taking anything away from people that grieve people grieve differently entirely if we knew about that being a situation that his father passing away why are we taking a punt on someone that's still going through that process
0: I think it's a valid point and you hear about you know when players identify someone to bring in they also look at a bigger picture what's he like is he I don't know does he drink is he gamble all yeah. these kind of things and they look at the bigger picture and I agree maybe there's just not enough effort going into the, the Duffy situation and maybe he became available and very cu- quickly we've gone from. there is a suggestion that Lenny didn't want him as well and you wonder if he's just been forced upon Lenny maybe we'll never find out I mean, what I will say is, hindsight's a wonderful thing, but
1: the Duffy signing made sense to me, as did the Barkas signing, if I'm being honest. As yet less so, but most definitely the, the Duffy, I, I was excited about the Duffy signing. Yeah. It's just not worked out, and that's football. It happens, and unfortunately, again, I'm repeating myself, until the books come out in 10 years' time, we're never going to know.
0: Yeah, it does happen, and listen, genuinely wish Shane Duffy all the best, and hopefully, you know, gets back to the level that he's played at, but leaning back towards your own point Paddy as well when we realised that he wasn't at himself we continued to play him and I'm saying we Neil Lennon continued to play him right now we've talked before about Neil Lennon should never have been in the position to make some of the decisions he made this year because Peter Lowell shouldn't have appointed him but the same theory applies that Neil Lennon shouldn't have been placing Shane Duff in a position to make those mistakes and have those terrible games when he realised and listen he's with him day and day out of Lennox Town when he realised he wasn't at himself move him to the side maybe even send him back in December but you need to make a, a decision there
2: but then this has been the whole story for Len in this season. So, for example, you look at Barkas, a guy who he, he told people he was his number one goalkeeper and then two weeks later he says his head's not in the game. Yeah, You know, he threw people under the bus in a sense, you know, and a guy that advocates a lot for mental health, that's not good for a player coming in from a foreign country and starting their career here, not getting a pre-season, not speaking great English, probably living over here themselves. My, my, my view on Barkas, I know i moved away from Duffer there, but, my view in Barker Is that this is a big pre-season for him. One, I would be surprised if we try and sell him because of the money that went out on him. I think this is a big pre-season for him and he needs to prove. but he prove himself, but then at the same time, he should have been playing in the last few games.
0: He should have been, There's no excuse why, never. Um, OK, so to move away from from these guys and you know some of the loan signings and different things. you know, One guy who's you know held in the highest of esteem by the Celtic fans is obviously Scott Brown with just two games left. Just to recap, you know, most of us will know the stats, but over 14 years at the club, played over 600 games, lifted 23 trophies, so it's, it's incredible what he's achieved at the club. And it's mad to think he's just got two games left. Paddy, how do you feel about that one in general?
2: I'll miss him. I think a brilliant player for what we, got we spent on him. He's really taken to the fans in the sense that he was that player you wanted to walk out. Even games you been maybe watch away in Europe, you would have a bit of hope when you would just see him, the composure, standing in the tunnel. And just, you know, that was your captain. A lot of people, some, well, some people now are a bit of the opinion that what he was saying in the huddle, the way he was acting in the huddle, was all for the fact that he knew a camera was on him. But I generally believe that his motivation was a, a massive help and what we went on to achieve. That highest level of professionalism from him set a huge standard. And I think we're really, really going to miss him. And obviously, I felt for him a bit this season, I think, the legs had gone, he would probably admit it himself, even though he probably never asked it, mm-hmm. that maybe someone else coming in alongside him or rotating with him would have helped. And that's also another reason, for, I think this year, we've seen another poor Callum McGregor this season, I think, been on the basis that he's done a lot of running for Brown.
0: Maybe. As yep. well
2: as obviously playing the, the amount of games that he has. I don't like the way it's finished for Brown. Obviously, we can't help with what's happening with the pandemic, but I still think there's actually people... Have we maybe resorted back to a 2009, 2010 view of him where they weren't sure about
0: him? Yeah. Matthew spoke last week about, you know, recency bias and, and how that, you know, takes hold at times. And I really do hope that, you know, this has been a very, very poor season, but I, I'd like to think that in the years ahead, people will look back very, very fondly at Scott Brown and rightfully so. Absolutely.
1: And for a, a daft fifer, he has, hasn't half made some career for himself <laughs> because he was, you know, he was a prodigious talent at Hibs. He has undoubtedly, made the most of his career, got himself to levels of fitness under Rodgers which probably he himself wouldn't have imagined he'd get to, I think that was his problem Mm -hmm. prior to Rodgers coming and I think that just harks back to the discipline that that Rodgers brought, I think he, you know whenever they were on any sort of club business there wasn't any alcohol involved for example, it was just you know, a level of professionalism that was demanded for the for the players and for somebody like Brown who, by all accounts, doesn't mind a wee night out.
2: <laughs> Or a kebab. Uh, yeah, you know, or like, uh, a high. <laughs> who are we to judge,
1: lads? Who yeah, exactly. are we judge? I think it's no coincidence that his best years were, were under Rodgers because that element of professionalism was brought to his game. Like you say, he's he's been a figurehead to see how he has led the club, especially over the past five years. Obviously, this season's been a disappointment, but I think as as a Celtic fan... And you look at Scott Brown, who obviously came to the club and, and wasn't a Celtic fan. If you look at Scott Brown this year and you look at how much the season's weighed on and we can see he's felt this season every bit as much as the fans, don't think there's any doubt about that whatsoever. Yeah. And, to, you know, as suppose to know that he, he's hurting just as much as us, I'd love to say I wish him every success at Aberdeen, but let's be honest, I don't. Once you choose to leave Celtic, that's pretty, pretty much it. I hope he does well against Right enough, but yeah. I hope he's just not too successful. Ultimately, he's always going to be associated with Celtic. However, being the type of character that he is, you know fine well that he's going to put somebody into the stand next time he comes to Celtic. Part.
0: It's, I mean, it's one thing replacing Scott Brown as a centre midfielder. It's a completely different thing trying to replace him as a captain, isn't it? And that's, you know, two of the biggest jobs that we'll yeah. have, you know. Yeah in terms of the the playing side of things this year just in terms of what you said there Miff, you kind of wish him all the best but not really is he the kind of guy you, you expect to see back at Celtic Park in some capacity in years I, ahead? I would imagine so just because it, I think it's it's a bit like the,
1: the whole Billy McNeil scenario somebody who's always going to be affiliated with Celtic even if he goes away and does something somewhere else you would mm-hmm. expect him to come back in some sort of capacity and and rightfully so I would say in, in relation to Scott Brown if we can shout Bobo's going to get you to Henry Larson then I think
0: we can
2: we
1: can
0: sure as he'll give some stick to Scott. Harry, do you see him coming back, whether it's a coach or a, or a gaffer at some point?
2: I, I think time will tell. I was talking to the guys about this not too long ago. It's a two-year deal at Aberdeen. That's right. I could see him, if things go pear-shaped possibly, I'm writing Aberdeen off already here, um, but if things happen there, I think he, can make, he he's probably got in the running for, if Glass was possibly to leave, hmm. I think he might be the next man there. You know, it's a hard place to do well at. Um, yeah. McKinnon's done okay, done a good job, but I think it's a hard place to do well at. But I would be surprised to see him back as a manager.
0: Yeah, maybe so. Paddy, you've got uh, Stephen Glass getting sacked before he started. Know, and you've got Don, McGa- Don McKay getting sacked in the next few Just don't weeks. don't trust
2: Scottish football anymore. it season. And a season.
0: In, uh, brighter news, you brighter know, we're obviously very worried about the next steps for Celtic and you know, who's going to take over. Turns out Conor McGregor's going to buy his myth, according to the latest uh, statement this morning. Have you seen that? I have. Yes, I have. Excited about what, 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 what lies in store under McGregor?
1: Just when you think the season can't get any more bizarre.
2: No, for me.
0: <laughs> Paddy, any thoughts on that at all?
2: Uh, straight no. Yeah,
0: we'll move, we'll move <laughs> Smithley by. One of the, the bigger pieces of news coming out this week, and I believe there's a vote taking place tonight, Monday night, is regarding the possibility of Celtic and Rangers putting Colt teams into the Lowland League. So the vote will take place. There's teams in that league, including the likes of Bonash United, Civil Service Strollers, Gala Feridin, Dean, Douglas Pumpherson, etc. Any thoughts on the young team joining that setup? up
1: I think when it comes to Colts teams, there shouldn't be any horsing around.
0: There's enough (laughs) of that. I'll go to you, Paddy, because I'm just getting nonsense for this guy. What do you think? I think it's a good idea in the
2: sense that, you know, being involved in a league gives a bit of exposure to some of these players. I don't think the reserves leagues are of a great standard, but also I don't know so much about the standard of the Lowlands League as well. I was actually hearing about it not too long ago that we seem to be actually paying our way to join these leagues, to, to, to get into them. So. The vote's also possibly leaving a few nosies out of joint as well until this money was brought onto the table. I actually think it might be 50-50 if we get it, but the money might speak on
1: that. I I think as a concept, I can understand it from the point of view of first-team exposure. However, I do see the need to protect that level of football from the top level, if that makes sense. You know, a certain type of player will play at that level because that is their level if you're bringing in elite players even though if they're, they're, they're young I, I don't know if that just kind of fits in I suppose it's been an idea that I, I think he, it goes back even to Jockstein Jockstein wanted to put a, the reserve teams in the in the lower leagues I think it's something that Celtic and Rangers have had their eye on doing for, for a long long time mm-hmm. like Paddy says I think ultimately money will talk but I'm, I'm not, I am not absolutely convinced that it's the right thing to do
0: no and, and is that just in terms of the level they'll be up against so you know the teams I'd mentioned there the likes are Esko Bride BSC Dean It's kind of semi pro slash yeah, junior I, I, and level, I, and I think that that's that level for that that
1: particular type of football that yeah. should be protected. You know, every element of football, from grassroots up to professional, should be protected mm-hmm. for for its for its own sake. Then, in certain, you know, professional academy players into that world where they're playing against teams, I, 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 you know, individual players going out and loans different, or, or packs of players going out and loans yeah. different to, to what's being proposed now. I do think that. Kind of changes and shift things a wee bit. I think all levels of football should be protected for the level that they're at. Yeah. If that makes it, I don't know. No, if I make that
0: make that, that point clear yeah. enough? I mean, Paddy, you see, it as a better alternative. So at the moment, you know, you see me here just at the, the academy kids. They play a lot of friendlies and non-competitive, and they go down south and they play against under twenty-three sides and different things. If this isn't the solution, you know, there's obviously a bigger question as to what is. But surely anyone to develop needs to be, you know, have you know facing a level of competition. Friendlies are not good for anybody, are they?
2: True, no, I, I agree with you there. Pretty sure, obviously, there was the, the um, I can't remember the name of the tournament, but there was the one that they were playing um, a lot of Premier League youth teams as well. I don't know what the what the plan is with that. I don't know if that's still still continuing. Is that is that been? I I don't know the answer to that. So my thinking on that is is that I think that's going to be a better calibre because the money spent in the academies down south is dwarfs anything that's happening up here. Mm-hmm. And they do look at, you know, they're, they're scouting players from such an early age. I think that would be more inclined. I think that's more what you're kind of saying, Myth. That's that's the level, mm-hmm. that they're all at. If, if you think of somebody that's been out
1: working during the day, playing against, you know, 17, 18-year-old kids at night, there's there's that element of Scottish football that's more about physicality than yeah. it is about skill. I don't necessarily, you know, there, there's the one side where you say, Will do the kids good to go and be toughened up and playing against guys that are a bit more experienced, a bit more wily. Yeah. Then by the same token, is, is that ultimately what you're wanting to expose the, these kids to, rather than letting them progress at their, at their own rate and play against their, their peers with then possibly a loan to a lower division mm-hmm. club to can augment that? I think that path's pretty good. I, I think if you're taking a step back for Celtic for a minute and looking at the national game, it's been a long time since we qualified for a major tournament, but we've just done it. However, for those players who have, who have advanced through to that level, looking at guys like Tierney, Armstrong, McGinn, those guys would have all came through what is to me the kind of modern. I've uh, been involved in, in grassroots football myself, where they've, they've followed that player pathway from four aside to five, aside to seven, aside to nine, aside to eleven, aside. I think we're now starting to see the the, the, the fruits of that.
2: Yeah, you know, yeah.
1: and and the guys that are now 25, 26, 27 that are established. Have all they, were, they would have been the ones that first did that pathway and have came through in the past fifteen years, yeah, so I think we just kind of probably need to hold our nerve a wee bit and see what we're doing is producing international and top level European league players, yeah. so to then go and change that pathway and change what sits below the the top four leagues in Scotland, I, I don't necessarily think that's a good yeah, thing.
0: It's a really interesting viewpoint on the and I'm it's, it's interesting, obviously, that you've got some, some insight and some background there. I mean, does this follow on from, is it Mark Vota's vision back in the day? Remember, he came in from Holland and, and created this kind of structure. Has that led to where we are now? No, is I, he part I, of that? I, I, don't, I don't quite know if, if it was him that, that led the
1: kind of player pathway. Again, I've, I've probably in the past five years I've, I've became in, involved in it, but that's been... The way of things for I think the past maybe 10 years or something yeah. like that so it would have been around the time that he would have been yeah, he would yeah. have been brought in and to me it's you know it's been a fairly consistent message there's I, I think especially for the sevens to the nines you know that that's been a big thing instead of just going for sevens straight to 11s. right having the nine aside is a, a huge thing for for the kids and what we seem to be producing now we are producing actually ball players for the, the first time in a, in a long time as in many of them. Guys that are comfortable on the ball with their back to goal, not something that's a hallmark of Scottish players. Normally, yeah. it's a bold in the channel lads.
0: Yeah. Um, get,
1: get so, rid of it. so I just, I just think to myself, we've kind of seen that, you know. And if you looked at, I, I wouldn't know. Tierney went straight into the first team. Andy Robertson obviously went to Queens Park and worked, worked his way up through Dundee United and Hull. With players like Armstrong,
0: Armstrong to take him through. At, United At uh, United Yeah I don't know if he was Somewhere up north before that Not entirely sure But they've, um, all, they've all come from You know would, would, they been, would
1: they have been on loan At, at lower league clubs I'm, I'm not too yeah. sure McGinn uh, He was at St Mary, He came through at St am i right saying He did Yeah So obviously What what we're doing At that lower level Is, is now It's bearing fruit But yeah. it, it, it takes time It takes years Of course it does To come through So
0: what I'm trying to say Is disrupting that just now, what sort of impact would that have, have in the future? Yeah, it's an interesting, it's a very fair-minded way to look at it, Miff Me and Paddy only care about Celtic, but I like that you're looking out for the nation as a whole. <laughs> yep. It's
1: just me doing RT, lads. That's
0: <laughs> it. So, it's just as we start to wrap things up for this week's episode, Paddy, is there anything that you expect to see happen in the days ahead? Obviously, you know, myself and Miff it's been a bit of Groundhog Day for us and Chris and Sinky at different times, but do you expect to see anything in the coming days with regard to notable announcements? Or will the, the notable announcement just be, uh, get your season ticket money ready, lads?
2: Get a season ticket money ready. But also, I think I've got, I've got to kind of go on the hope that season's coming to a close next weekend. Seems to be everyone else is finishing up. There's red tape that we need to get past and all that's coming to, to a close. Hopefully something next week, because... It's not long to the Champions League qualifier start.
0: I think as well, just, just bits of information. The fixtures for next season will be published on the 15th of June, so just over a month from now. And at this moment in time, we don't know, don't know who's going to be taking those games. Matt, what do you expect to see, or what do you hope to see in the coming days?
1: Well, I just got to see. Any used to what, I take my own card number here. I'll just pay for the season ticket now.
0: <laughs> just get get, get the strips
1: at the same time. No, next couple, do you know what? You know, i have not even got to see it. Yeah. Darkest hour comes before the dawn Something will happen this week I'm running out of time
0: All of that stuff Yada 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 Fair enough we've all heard it before But you're right muffin. what you're saying So cliches are cliches for a reason And that's why things have been the way they've been this season So as mentioned we now have just two games to go In this rascal of a season And by this time next week it'll all be finally over That'll give us time to catch our breath Ahead of all the big announcements That are definitely maybe on the way And we can then look forward to the good times again Which are surely just around the corner Thanks to Miff as always. My thanks to Paddy for making his debut in tonight's episode. And finally, a thanks to you for listening. If you're enjoying the show, please continue to support us by following and leaving a review on Apple, Spotify and wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find us on Twitter at Celtic Exchange and on Instagram at the Celtic Exchange Podcast. Hang tight, folks. We're nearly there. Network.